Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, Chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. We're focusing now on Family Sanctuary on a series of programs on issues surrounding the dignity of the person, especially on abortion. And as you know, with the fall of Roe v. Wade last year, abortion is again front and center, and there are many efforts in almost every state, including Ohio, to make abortion a right in our Constitution. So now's the time to understand the truth about abortion, the science, and also what our church teaches, because there's so many lies that you will be hearing in the media, online, and even perhaps from friends and family. So now's the time to learn and to share the truth in love for the sake of the mothers and the babies. So today our program is entitled, How Safe is Abortion? Because that is a part of the lie that you will be hearing and you have heard, I'm sure, in the past that abortion is very safe. There, there are no complications or complications are very, very rare. Well, our guest today is really an expert on this area and uh, his name is Dr. C. Brent Bowles. Uh, Dr. Bowles has been a practicing obstetrician and gynecologist for more than 25 years. He's board certified and in addition to private practice, he's held academic appointments with the University of Tennessee School of Medicine and the Meharry Medical College. And he served in the pro-life community for many years and has been a pregnancy center medical director from 2008 until 21. So thank you for that, Dr. Bowles, and many other, <laughs> many other things as well. Let me finish here with the fact that in 2014, he assisted in efforts to pass an amendment to Tennessee's constitution and since then has assisted with other pro-life legislative escapes. Uh, efforts in the Tennessee General Assembly and the Colorado legislature. And he served as a pro-life expert witness in federal courts when the abortion industry has challenged state laws requiring inclusion of abortion pill reversal information in the abortion informed consent process. So he's now also the medical director of Heartbeat International's Abortion Pill Reversal Network. And we have uh, several programs already in our podcasts on St. Gabriel on abortion pill reversal. Now, Dr. Bowles' first book, Supremely Wrong, or his, his recent book, I should say, Supremely Wrong, The Injustice of Abortion, is now in print. He lives in Florida and continues to work as an obstetrician and gynecologist, in addition to his pro-life efforts. And Dr. Bowles, uh, you even have time to be on our program and share your expertise with our listeners. So thank you so much for that. You are so welcome. Thank you for the... <laughs> Well, and, and welcome to our program. And today, with how safe is abortion? I know this is a question that uh, you you truly can answer with uh, all kinds of, of medical information and research. I've heard you speak on this, and uh, I know how amazing the research is that really needs to be shared. So how, how do you respond if someone says to you, well, I've heard that abortion is really safe. Well, I would initially respond by saying that, you know, the person 
who's making that statement hasn't looked at the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have simply looked at the uh, abortion industry's talking points mm-hmm. and believed that they were credible and trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the abortion industry has produced a book called The Safety and Quality of Abortion Care in the United States, but the vast majority of that book is devoted to explanations of training and who should be doing abortions and um, what to do for anesthesia and evaluating the patient and just all kinds of different things. But in terms of the long-term health effects on some very serious uh, abortion-related issues, they devote very little space and cite only a, a fraction of the studies that have been done that report on these issues. Uh, they do so selectively, of course, uh, and in a way that uh, portrays abortion as perfectly safe and normal and uh, as having no issues on the woman's health uh her future or her life. Um, Of course, we know they totally ignore the moral and ethical portion of this debate that each and every abortion ends the life of one human being. Um, But they, you know, they've been very clear about that. They don't, they don't care. They don't consider that human being as an individual worthy of having rights uh, simply because they're very young. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that's, you know, we, we as pro-life people know that. That's, that is one of the elements of our concern with this issue. But the other element is that the abortion industry really preys on women and mistreats them and misleads them and deceives them. <clears throat> I, I personally know how it uh, misleads women. You know, in medicine, we have a process called informed consent. Uh, Informed consent is a a medical standard uh, by which a doctor who is about to embark on a treatment program, either with medication or surgical procedures or other procedures or a combination, is, is obligated to explain to the patient the nature of their condition, what the treatment alternatives are, what will happen without treatment, what are the risks of potential complications with treatment. And then once the patient has been informed of all this information, then they can they can consent or they can choose not to consent. I've also served as an expert witness in malpractice cases. Uh, so far, I've looked at five different malpractice cases against abortion providers, and I've looked at their informed consents. They're woefully inadequate and very deceptive. They, they do not reflect the majority of the data on issues uh, related to abortion safety, the complications that can occur with abortion, uh, the risk of death, uh, the association between a prior abortion and breast cancer, the association between a prior abortion and mental health issues, including even suicide, uh, suicidal behavior, and the risk of um, that abortion has in terms of impacting future pregnancies, particularly with uh, the risk of preterm delivery. So well, they lead women on these issues in their consent documents. I've read them. Wow. Well, yes. And, and 
of course, I know you've probably been involved, like you say, with, with some of these specific malpractice cases. And in the pregnancy help movement, we hear stories constantly from women who are coming in to a pregnancy center who have had previous abortions. Many of, many of these women, by the way, also are working in pregnancy help centers as volunteers or as trained staff members working for Heartbeat International who have their own stories of how abortion has either affected them in terms of risk for breast cancer, um, uh, risk of mental health, and and then, um, as you mentioned, problems in subsequent pregnancies, including particularly premature labor. So let's focus on some of those things. Um, what about uh, what about the connection between abortion and breast cancer, Dr. Bowles? Because that's something that they're particularly adamant about denying. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. yes. Well, <clears throat> they're very adamant about denying it because it's such a significant women's health issue. You know, we have a whole month devoted to breast cancer awareness. I believe it's October every year is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, there are very rigid federal guidelines on um, recommended breast cancer screening with mammograms and the quality of care that mammogram centers have to provide in terms of two layers of notifying patients of the results and documenting follow-up and maintaining records. There's so much information, uh, so many regulations on that because it is a huge issue. <clears throat> it's also an issue women are very, very interested in. Um, you may remember from the 1990s, the study that came out and terrified women uh, that menopausal women on hormone replacement therapy were at increased risk for breast cancer. Yes. Well, mm -hmm. that study was sensationalized by the news media, by all the networks, every modality, internet, radio, television, it, it would print, uh, all forms of media focused on it to try to get the news out to women that they needed to reconsider the use of hormone replacement therapy and have a very specific detailed discussion with their healthcare providers about it. Well, the data on the relationship between an induced abortion and breast cancer shows that abortion does far more to increase a woman's risk of breast cancer in the future than hormone replacement therapy does for a menopausal woman. Hmm. Uh, the news media doesn't pick that up. They don't run with that. Uh, because it doesn't, it, it contradicts the narrative that abortion is safe and normal and that it should be available all the way up to the due date in every state for any reason or no reason at all. That's the narrative. Right. You know, do you ever, do you ever consider that if the abortion industry and Planned Parenthood hadn't been so aggressive in their agenda that we would have been, it's unlikely that we would have been able to get Roe overturned. If mm. they'd been happy to keep America in line with all of Europe, <laughs> which limits abortion to no later than 12 or 14 weeks, uh, that that's the European model. Until France recently increased their limit from 12 to 14 weeks, virtually every country in Europe refused to allow abortions after 12 weeks. And if that had been the case in America, if the abortion industry hadn't been so aggressive at wanting to kill full-term babies and answer to no one for it, 
the American people probably wouldn't have cared enough to have pushed this issue. Mm -hmm. Isn't isn't it ironic that right now they're back to that position? (laughs) Yeah, they're advocating that that uh, position. Well, it's already in the law in New York and California, for example, and a few other states, this unlimited right to abortion. And this is what they're trying to promote uh, now in every state, including our state of Ohio. So, yes, it's so ironic. Well, let's focus on the breast cancer. Uh, First, I'd like to make your reader, your listeners aware of an organization. Uh, You hear, if you follow this issue, you hear from Planned Parenthood and you hear from the American College of OBGYNs, and they refer to ACOG, American College of OBGYNs, as the definitive organization in terms of professional organizations for OBGYNs and that everything they produce should be absolutely respected. They act as if there's not a competing organization that also is is a professional affiliation of thousands of OBGYNs. Uh, It's called the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. Uh, we refer to it as APLOG, A-A-P-L-O-G, and anyone who wants to look at the organization can look at the website and access it uh, with at no cost. It's aaplog.org. And Dr. Bowles, before you get into that a little more specifically, um, we're about halfway through our program. I want to reintroduce you to the listeners who perhaps just joined us. Our expert today on on abortion and the dangers of abortion, our, our program is How Safe is Abortion, is Dr. C. Brent Bowles, a practicing obstetrician and gynecologist for more than 25 years. Uh, he's He's been in the pregnancy help movement for many years, now the director of our Abortion Pill Reversal Network and also an expert witness testifying in state courts in malpractice suits uh, because of the lies, unfortunately, that abortion is so safe, and yet it is greatly damaging not only the babies involved, but also the mothers. So go ahead, Dr. Bowles. We're talking about the connection between abortion and breast cancer. Okay. Uh, The American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs was formed because ACOG, tried to end any uh, pro-life dissent from within their ranks. They eliminated special interest groups uh, within their membership, the largest of which was the pro-life special interest group, uh, because they will discuss no uh, no consideration of, of, of the abortion agenda. With, with regard to everything else ACOG does, it's they're, they're a high-quality professional organization, but when it comes to abortion, they cater to the abortion ideology um, to the detriment of women and do so by completely ignoring an objective review of the data, and they even contradict themselves on the issue um, in, in ways that I can explain later. But let's, let's focus on the breast cancer issue. If someone wants to look at a really good summary of this information, go to the APLOG website, click on the resources tab at the um, top of the page, and you'll see resources. You'll see a resources menu drop down. There are committee opinions and bulletins. Uh, Look through those. And there is one called uh, Committee Opinion 8. 
titled Abortion and Breast Cancer. Um, this gives a very good summary of all of the peer-reviewed published data that's available for consideration. So to summarize, from 1957 to 2018, there were 76 peer-reviewed studies published that looked at the relationship with, between abortion and breast cancer. Now, if you look at the book that I mentioned that the abortion industry produced, The Safety and Quality of Abortion Care in the United States, um, they um, have less out of uh, a book that is 208 pages long they devote less than a page to the breast cancer question. And of those 76 studies, they only cite three of them in making their conclusion that abortion has no impact on the future risk of breast cancer. The problem they have with that is that of those 76 studies, 60 of them show that there is an association between induced abortion and increased breast cancer risk. 24 of those studies were from authors and institutions in the United States. Of those 24, 19 show an association between induced abortion and breast cancer. They ignored the overwhelming majority of peer-reviewed studies and cherry-picked three mm. Uh, studies to say, oh, we've looked at the data thoroughly, and it's it's clear there's no increase in the risk of breast cancer from abortion, and that's just not what the data shows. Right, and you know, of course, they, their their primary motivation is is the financial one. They're making bunches of money, unfortunately, on abortion. Well, yes. Doctor Bowles, can you explain why is abortion connected? To breast cancer. There is uh, a logical reason when you understand the physiology of the woman, the development of the breast tissue, and so forth. Can you explain that? Yes. yes. There are uh, the over the lifespan, the, the woman's breast, the cells in the breast, uh, the glands in the breast undergo certain changes uh, up through and including puberty. Uh, all the way up to the first pregnancy, the majority of the cells within a woman's breast are what we call type 1 and type 2 lobules. Type 1 and type 2 lobules, their purpose is to grow or to proliferate, um, to prepare and have enough breast tissue there to produce milk for a child when a child is born. So those cells are what are called proliferative cells. But that's what a breast cancer cell is. A breast cancer cell or a cancer cell is a cell that proliferates out of control. Um, it grows, it invades surrounding structure, it spreads to other parts of the body, it causes damage wherever it is, and ultimately, if untreated or unsuccessfully treated, causes the death of the individual who has it. So these proliferative cells um, are they begin to grow with puberty, and then they're tremendously stimulated to proliferate once a woman becomes pregnant with her first pregnancy. These type two, type one, and type two lobules will, you know, sometimes even double the size of the breast early in pregnancy because they're preparing for the need for milk production. Then, by the time you reach the early part of the third trimester these cells convert from a proliferative type of cell 
to a lactating cell, the type 3 lobule. The type 3 lobules undergo some, there's some genetic change that occurs so that they are no longer going to proliferate and grow. They simply will function by producing milk. And they do that beginning at the time of the delivery, and they continue until either lactation is suppressed or the infant is older and is weaned. And then these type 3 and type 4 lobules, they regress the they become type 3 and type 4. Type 4 does most of the milk production. And then when lactation is suppressed or uh, the infant is weaned, the type 4s regress to type 3. Type 3 and type 4 don't proliferate. They never go back to type 1 or type 2. So 99% of breast cancers arise in a type 1 or type 2 cell. So, so if if the pregnancy, pregnancy if the pregnancy is is quickly ended by abortion, uh, before those cells get to a type three, uh, then you've yes. got proliferating cells that could later lead to breast cancer. Correct. Yes. So instead of proliferating for a few months until they convert into lactating cells, they proliferate sometimes for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so. so the, all of that, of course, is is not explained to women who are uh, and uh, who are considering abortion. And I know that I've also read it, it is very clear, and I believe that uh, ACOG uh, would would not contradict this. But the best protection for a woman against having breast cancer in the future is to continue her first pregnancy and and uh, nurse her babies. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Because completing, <laughs> completing that first pregnancy um, converts over 90% of the lobules in the breasts to type 3 and type 4. They never regress after that to type 1 or type 2. Mm-hmm. And since 90, 99% of breast cancers arise in a type 1 or 2 lobule and carrying the pregnancy to term and then nursing eliminates more than 90% of the type 1 and type 2 lobules, that's Mm -hmm. why there's a tremendous reduction. Sure. Well, I just want to remind you, uh, remind our listeners, I should say, that we've only got about, what, four minutes left to go in our program. Um, And what a phenomenal explanation you've done, Dr. Bowles, about why uh, we don't hear or understand the risk or the connection uh, between abortion and breast cancer, but it's very logical. It has to do with the way God created our bodies and designed women's bodies for uh, giving birth and and nursing their babies and why that is healthy for us. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Um, I would like to I'd like to give your listeners just in a minute or two, we have left some bullets that they hard statistics. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Opinion of those studies, the best study or one of the best ones is called the Dolling Study, it was published in 1994. They looked at 845 women with breast cancer. They created a control group, age matched control group with over 900 women that did not have breast cancer, and they looked at uh, the abortion histories in those groups. Um, women who had abortions as teenagers or had their uh, first abortion. Uh, in their 30s and older, they had a 100% increase in their risk of breast cancer. Mm, Uh, For women of any age who had at least one abortion, they had a 50% increase in their risk of breast cancer by the age of 45. And the most serious group 
teenagers who abort their first pregnancy who also have a family history of breast cancer. Their mother, their grandmother, an aunt had breast cancer. Teenagers who abort their first pregnancy and have a family history of breast cancer. In this study, 100% of them had breast cancer by the age of 45. So Uh those are the real numbers that women should hear Mm. and be able to use to make choices with. And Dr. Bowles, um, is this part of the of the a document that you referred to in the yes. on the APLOG website? So people can get details on that by yeah. going to AAPLOG, the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs dot org. And under their resources tab, I believe you said it was communication number eight, uh, which is the facts on the connection between abortion and breast cancer. Another book that I know you have recommended and that I have actually purchased from uh, from Amazon for those who will say, well, I don't believe that. If we tell them this, they say, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> we can show them in black and white the studies that have been done, the evidence, the information that is is being withheld from women and families. And it's just a disaster for women's health. But there's a book called Complications, Abortion's Impact on Women. It's in its second edition. And it, it not only covers this topic, but many other uh, uh, areas that relate to abortion complications for women's health, for reproductive health. And I know we've only got two minutes left. I know we wanted to talk about some of those other areas with you, but but the, the information you're providing, the facts are just so important that people understand them completely that I'm going to ask if you would be willing to come back on additional programs to talk about some of the other areas related to the safety of abortion, like the complications in future pregnancy that are caused by abortion, the mental health issues caused by abortion, including even risk of suicide. Uh, Dr. Bowles, would you be willing to come back on other programs? Another question I'd love to discuss with you, is abortion safer than childbirth? Because the lie is that abortion is safer than actual actually having babies when it comes to uh, maternal mortality. Um, I hope you'll be willing to come back and educate us even more fully on some of these other subjects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid our time is up. <laughs> and so I, I thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Brent Bowles, and he's going to be back on future programs. And uh, you're listening to The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn. To find this program again and other programs from Family Sanctuary, go to stgabrielradio.com, choose podcasts, then Family Sanctuary, and look for the series of programs that we are having now on abortion. It's a really important time for us to understand this issue completely. And the Family Sanctuary is broadcast at four o'clock on Saturdays, two o'clock on Sundays. So join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. 